and, and, and then she goes to bed, and she's a wonderful jo- joy and blessing again. <laughs> um, I, I realized about, about a month ago that 90% of what... Oh, wow. That's... Sorry. About 90% of what that child eats is, is what you're holding in your hands right now. They, they say that children, like if you could bottle their energy and, and sell it, this is the energy. Um, I, I, I realized that not only does she eat about, about 12 pounds of sugar a day, um, she doesn't eat anything else, right? Now, I don't know. I haven't seen they modified the food pyramid recently, but I'm guessing that it's not sitting on a firm foundation of, of corn syrup, right? Like, <laughs> Or that there's not a big hand ladling corn syrup over it, you know, or ranch dressing or whatever else it is that, you know. Um, and, and honestly, if I let her eat this way, what's going to happen? She's, no, because she, she's going to run her. Eventually, she will get fat. Because fact of the matter is that her metabolism will slow down. Young people, enjoy it while you can. It's going to get its revenge later. Can I get an amen? <laughs> um, <laughs> The, the, this, this diet of hers, though, like, like the hard thing is that I've trained her to do it, right? Like I've spent like months and months and months and actually now even, you know, quite a bit of time, like I can't say years and years, but, but years is in the conversation, um, giving in, right? Um, she, she hasn't eaten anything today. She comes to me and says, Dad, can I have some candy from the box? We have a big box of candy, but we had. <laughs> Thanks for helping out with that. Uh, <laughs> Um, but hold your candy in your hand. Don't eat it. Okay, hold it. We've spent, I've spent years teaching her that this is the way it is. That if you want it, all you have to do is ask Daddy, right? And Daddy will give it. Um, and, and I've trained her. So, like, when she sits down and there's carrots in front of her, is she going to eat carrots? Or is she going to run around and play until 30 minutes later when I don't want to make her sit down and eat carrots again and I just give her something out of the box? Which is it going to be? It's going to be the box, right? Because it's easy and because the box tastes better, right? But if I keep feeding her the box and I don't feed her anything else, I'm going to end up with a toothless child and we'll have to move our ministry work to Kentucky. Thank you. <laughs> I have an uncle in Kentucky. I hope he listens to the sermons. I, <laughs> um, we'll have to move our ministry work to Kentucky or, well, eventually, you know, they're going to take her away from me because she's not going to grow, Right? Um, she's going to, she's going to, um, not get anything that she needs. She's not going to grow. She's going to get really brittle bones and she's going to be this, you know, stunted thing because I, I, I was being a terrible parent by feeding her nothing but candy. Right. Um, and, and I, I'm handing this out to you because we transition, we're coming into, um, like we're doing Colossians and I'm going to do the very short background. I know I do it every week and some of y'all are like, really again? Um, but some folks are new or weren't here in the last few weeks. Um, this, this Colossians is written by Paul, right? Paul is in prison at the time. He did not plant this church. He is writing a letter to them, though, at the behest of the guy who did plant it because he's trying to fix some doctrinal errors, some, some false teachings that were going on. In the previous chapter, we haven't gotten into the like historic detail and the nitty-gritty of it because I figured instead of doing that, we would talk about how it relates to us. Everybody with me? And so, like, be aware of the false teaching, though. Like, like it, it was largely Gnostic, meaning, like, it was, it was this, like, mystery religion stuff from the ancient world. Um, and there was a lot of law. People were being taught, and we, we covered this last week. Like, in the previous chapter, chapter 3, Paul starts by saying, this is who you are in Jesus, right? 
In Jesus, you're redeemed. In Jesus, you're free from the law because you couldn't obey it anyway because you're all sinners. Everybody with me? So I'm two minutes in, and I've already called you all sinners. <laughs> now we just need a Baptist sign out front. That's for Brooke. <laughs> um, but, but we are all sinners. Anybody here good at not breaking the law? Not me. I'm not. Like, we all screw up. We all fail. The law is just impossible for us because we're all sinful by nature. And so we need God to save us. Um, and that's what Paul says. He says, listen, the law is never going to save you. You're saved in Christ. And then he goes on and he goes after the teachings of these folks. He says, listen, people who are coming along and telling you, you need to be this good to be right before God, or you need to not touch these things or not eat these things or not do these things as a way of earning your way to God, um, they're wrong. They're absolutely wrong. The pulling yourself up by the bootstraps, have you ever tried that? Like reaching down and grabbing your shoes and trying to, I don't think cowboy boots have straps, so you may not have. Um, have you ever tried to grab your shoelaces and try and lift yourself up off the ground? It's not possible. Um, you know, that's roughly what it's like trying to, like, earn your way into heaven. But the church has handed out these teachings. A lot of times, I'm not saying this church, I haven't been here that long. Churches and ministers and teachers have for years and years handed out these teachings, right? They've told you, well, if you're going to be a Christian, you can't drink, smoke, or chew, or, or what's the rest of it? Go with girls who do, right? Um, not to mention dancing or anything else that might be bad. And if you wear, you know, the wrong clothes or if you... I mean, like, there, there are regulations that the church has developed. And, and instead of talking about Jesus, a lot of times when we preach, we talk about this is how you overcome this sin in your life. Um, and Paul is about to start laying out some ethical teaching, meaning he's going to talk about this is what you people need to do to live. What he's giving, though, isn't candy, right? Everybody hold up your piece of candy. He is not giving you candy. For a lot of folks, candy is the easy teaching, okay? Easy teaching is candy. Candy is um, you have this sin in your life, right? You're addicted to um, you know, pornography or alcohol or, or um, you, you know, yell at your wife too much and you're mad at the world or you love judging people because it's a lot of fun or gossip is a little like you know, breathing to you because you opened your mouth and you do both. Um, like these sins in your life, you don't overcome it by trying really hard. But that's an easy teaching, isn't it? And then actually, if you live in that world where that candy is the main teaching you're holding on to, right? That candy, that easy teaching, when you master some things, you get to look at everybody else who hasn't, right? Oh, look at that guy. He's cheating on his wife. Of course, I'm, you know, doing my own sins, but I don't see my sins because I'm looking at theirs, right? That's what candy results in. It's a spiritually stunting thing. And by candy, I mean the law. Teaching people um, righteousness through anything other than Jesus, right? Anything other than Christ dying for your sins and saving you. Like, that's where your righteousness comes from, right? I may sin every day, and I probably do. Um, don't ask my wife. She'll give you a list. <laughs> um, but, but I may sin every day. But, like, because I am in Christ, I'm clean, Right? Um, so as Paul shifts into this ethical teaching, understand ethical teaching, teaching about how to live your life, right? Isn't about you becoming sinless because your life is hidden in Christ in heaven, right? And you're sinless in that setting. Um, in this world, you're in the process of getting there, right? You're working on it, but you're not working on it by 
try really, really, really hard or else. Because eventually you're going to try really, really hard. You're still going to screw up and you're going to be tired when you're done. And that candy may teach, you know, may feel good at, at the moment. But eventually that's going to catch up with you. Because if Abby eats nothing but candy long enough, eventually she's going to be tired all the time, right? That's what teaching the law does to you. It wears you out. That's a teaching, easy teaching. This is hard. I'm going to give you some hard stuff here. Okay, so that's my ahead warning if you need to run for the door. <laughs> We're going to start in Colossians 3.1. So Paul has talked about do not occupy yourself with trying to earn your way into heaven. And he shifts into saying, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Um, this is really simple, Right. If you are somebody who has faith in Jesus, who has come under Jesus' teaching, who has committed your life to following Jesus, like the old you is dead, buried, and you've come alive as a new person. So if you are a person who has come alive as a new person, don't pick up all the candy and try and drag it with you, okay? Don't pick up the law. Don't pick up the, the death and try to drag it with you. It's not going to work. Well, what do you do to overcome your sin? Because, as, all right, I got sin in my life I struggle with every day. Anybody else? Like three of you? There should be more. <laughs> I know there are folks who lay awake at night, you know, like right before you go to sleep, and all of that garbage comes out, right? Because you got nothing else to look at. <laughs> I used to sleep in front of the TV so I didn't have to, right? Um, all that garbage comes out, and you're like, I fail at this, I fail at that. Man, I really messed up at this. I, all of that, that garbage if you're eating candy to try to overcome it, it's just more weight, right? So Paul says, listen, if you've been raised up in Christ, if you're a new creation, if you're born again, um, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. So when we look at the world around us, our orientation should not be at the world around us. It should be up. Um, if I look at the world around me and I say, wow, I really struggle with looking at women lustfully who aren't my wife, um, if that's what I'm, I'm struggling with, if I'm looking around me, I'm going to come up with ways around me to deal with it. Instead, I need to look up because that's how I'm getting out of it. Everybody with me? The strength, thank you, the strength that you have spiritually comes from Jesus, period. Okay? You are not lifting yourself up by your bootstraps. Jesus picks you up and pulls you out of sin. Um, two to four, set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So there is a part of you, the born-again part, the made perfect, the no longer sinful part, that is with Christ in heaven, right? There's the rest of you that's, that's circling the track here, right? The reality of who you are, regardless of how much you struggle, is that you're, you're made new in Christ, right? Like, you're this new creation, but we can't see it, right? I may look at, you know, I may look at myself in the mirror. I can't even pick on anyone about this, right? I may look at myself in the mirror every day, and I may see this sinful, broken man. But at the end of the day, what's really true about me is I'm a new creation in Christ. Um, this man may die or will die. It's going to happen, right? He's going to get fatter eventually. He's going to get older. The arthritis is going to set in. I'm going to have to struggle to get by every day. And then eventually, like that Silverado, I'm going to break down. <laughs> and that's it, right? In reality, when Jesus comes back, and he's coming back, folks, 
when Jesus comes back, the sinless version of me is going to make its debut, right? Right now, we don't see it because it's, it's with Christ. But on that day, it's going to come about. So as you struggle with overcoming sin and with failing at, at being righteous in your own life, understand the reality is this. And you need to keep your eyes on it, right? This is the truth of who you are, not this. I talked to a young lady. I know I've talked about this before, but I, I think about it every day. It's one of the most impactful things I've ever, conversations I ever had. She was in the children's home. She had been a prostitute and, and had, like, was a drug addict and, and had all of this terrible, awful stuff. And I'm talking to her about Jesus, and she just breaks down and cries, and she says, you have no idea what I've done. You don't know how dirty I am and how, like, broken I am. Um, in reality, what she was looking at is the horizontal stuff, the things on the plane with her, right? The things in the world with her. I am a whore. I am a junkie. I am these awful things. But in reality, the moment she accepted Christ, and she did, right? Like I, I did ministry work with this girl for a couple of years. The moment she met Jesus, she stopped. That, that past, it fell away. It melted. Like this snow is going to melt eventually, right? And you all believe it's going to melt, don't you? It's hard to believe some days. But that's the way sin is in our lives, isn't it? Some days you think, holy mess, is it ever going away? <laughs> In reality, it's going to melt away, and one day that young lady is going to be revealed in the true, like, awesome, recreated, the way God meant her to be beauty. And the same is true of all of you. No matter what your addiction, no matter what your sin, no matter what you struggle with, your bitterness, your anger, your anything, your gossip, like, you struggle with it, you will struggle with it, it's going to be a part of life, but ultimately, the reality of who you are is made new in Christ. And when Jesus comes back, that's coming with him. Um, he goes on, he says, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, all of this garbage that you struggle with, understand, you're dead to that, right? I, I, may, I may think about going out to the, to, the, to the bar and getting drunk tomorrow. Like, I may think about it. I may wake up in the morning, it's the first thing I think about may think about it all day. But in reality, in Christ, that part of my life is dead, gone, buried, right? I can't go back to it. I might try, but as a man in Christ, I'll find no comfort in it, right? And so as I look up, as I look up and I look to Christ and I look to the reality of me made new in Christ, I need to realize that the sin I struggle with is it's dead to me. That is a part of my world that's dead to me. I may say, I need to try really hard to overcome it, and if I don't try hard enough, God won't love me. Hold your candy up. That's what it is. It's not real. It's substanceless. Real substance is Christ died for your sins, and you will come back made new. Everybody with me? Yeah. Thank you. We're going to start transitioning here, all right? So like this here, part of this is, like, how do you live right? Well, you live right by looking up by recognizing that you're dead to your sins, and then that translates into a bunch of other stuff. For it is because of these things the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them you also walked when you were living in them. So Paul says, well, look, back here, when you were there, God's wrath was coming on you. Because you're in Christ, God's wrath came on Jesus, right? If you're, if you're living in that, like you got wrath coming. That's not good. 
And getting out of it is as simple as like coming under Christ's lordship. It's just, I, I will follow Jesus. I will commit my life to this, and you're free from it. That's it. Made new in heaven, whole new life. And then you just follow the path. Um, and he says, listen, it's coming, but you don't walk in that anymore. Why? Because you're dead to it. Um, he goes on, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have laid aside the old self with its evil practices. Listen, Paul did not there say, do these things or else, did he? He's giving an instruction, and his instruction is based on, check it out here, your old self is dead. Why do we set these things aside? We set them aside because it's not who we are anymore, right? Um, I hate using it as an analogy, but caterpillars and butterflies, you guys have seen these, right? Like every children's book in the world has them. If butterflies continue walking on leaves and don't fly, like it's dumb, right? Titus, my beautiful little baby boy, if I decide to sleep in his crib and wear diapers, everybody's going to look at me like I'm crazy. Why? Because that part of my life is over. It's probably coming again before I know it, but it's over for now. Um, sorry, I have to drink something. Um, but that old part of my life is gone, right? I'm dead to it. It's gone. And so when I struggle with these things, it's not that I say, anybody here ever struggle with, like, swearing? That's, like, the most innocuous christian sin that you can commit. Like, I, I don't mean to downplay it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I, I talk to folks about sin frequently, and believers, like, they, for some reason, a lot of them don't have big sins, or they don't notice them, and they say, well, I struggle with my language, you know, and really got to do better, and, you know, I'll, I'll get a little jar and throw a quarter in it every time or whatever. And, and in reality, like, when language that does not glorify God comes out of my mouth, I shouldn't say, oh, man, I messed up. I should say, am I glorifying God with my language? Am I glorifying God with my use of time? Am I glorifying God with what I occupy my mind with, what I, what I focus on, what I talk about, what I um, fill my heart with? Is it something that's glorifying God? Like, because I am, as a new creation, somebody who is set on a path to glorify God. If I'm not doing that, then I need to figure out how to get back there. How do I figure that out? Well, yes, I look to God. I look up. I keep my eyes on what God is doing for me or what God has done for me. I keep my eyes focused on that. So when I look to what's real in heaven and I compare it with, with my life now, I need to say, is it the same thing? And if it's not, what do I keep looking at? I shouldn't look at this because this isn't right. I look up. I don't look at Jeremy and say, man, if I could only be as holy as Jeremy. Or actually, Brooke, I struggle with that one because Brooke is like one of the best people I know. And I, I should not look at Brooke and say, if only I had that good of a mustache, if only I was that sinless and that lovable and everything else. Like, if only I was more like Brooke, I would be part. No, I look, at, I look at Jesus because we overcome sin by becoming like Jesus, by becoming what we already are. It's already but not yet is the theological phrase. Everybody get that? It's very confusing. Anybody eating their candy yet? Um, <laughs> oh, uh, do not lie to one another since you laid aside old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of Christ who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all in all. Here's what he has done here, okay? He says... This new self is something you're putting on, like a suit, 
right? You're stepping into this new reality, this new you, and very slowly you step into it. And you're not going to get there until you're coming back with Jesus, right? It's not instant. It's not easy. It is work, right? The easy route, everybody hold it up. Try really hard until you get there, right? The reality is look at Jesus until he makes you new. And as you keep your eyes on Jesus, he changes you as you progress. Um, He says, once you acknowledge that that's true, so I may look at... I may look at my brothers in Christ here and say they politically don't line up with me. There are some of you who don't. Um, I don't talk about politics. You have no idea. Um, I may look at you and say some of you are Packers fans. <laughs> I may look at you and say, hold on, though, but this is, this is more real. I may look at you and say some of you are of a different race than me. Some of you are of different backgrounds. Some of you have more money than me. Some of you are more handsome than me, but not many. Um, some of you are. <laughs> I may look at you and come up with all of these differences and say I am not him because, you know, and, and come up with reasons to distinct. But in reality, no matter how different we are, we are all the same in Christ. When I look at Jimmy, I see when I'm looking up, right, and Jimmy catches my eye. I see another man who's made new, made wholly new in Christ. And in heaven, Jimmy's, like Jimmy's reality, Jimmy's soul, the clean, pure, made new part of him is hidden with Christ. And so I may look at Jimmy and say, I really wish he'd shave that beard, you know, or I wish he would be this person, or I wish he'd be that person. But in reality, he's exactly the way God meant him to be. He's going to work to become that in his lifetime. He'll never get there. He'll die before he does, but he'll strive for it. That's how we overcome sin. But eventually, he's going to come back. And I'm not going to see any Jews, and I'm not going to see any Greeks. I'm not going to see any barbarians. I'm not going to see any Scythians. I'm not going to see anybody from Haver. I'm not going to see any Californians. I'm not going to see, I'm not going to see you know, men or women. I'm not going to see slaves. I'm not going to see anything. I am going to see people who are made new in Christ. I'm not going to see drunks. I'm not going to see... You know, perverts. I'm not going to see selfish people. I'm not going to see because all of that garbage will be gone. Because Christ is all in all, right? Christ is the beginning, the end, and the middle of what makes us right. Um, So, as you have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord God forgave you, so also you, so also should you. Now, he says, listen, put on this new suit, right? Put on this new person. It's true up there. Step into it here. When I look at other folks, and there, anybody have Facebook? I look at Facebook and it makes me mad. You know what I mean? There are people who are on my Facebook page who I want to strangle. And if I could figure out which button says that, I would hit it. <laughs> but in reality, when I'm looking at them, I'm, I'm angry, I'm judgmental, I'm bitter, right? Um, but when God looks at me, I can guarantee you I sin worse against him every day as a believer than any of these people do against me just by being jerks, right? And God has compassion on me, and God has gentleness toward me. He doesn't treat me the way I ought to be treated. He treats me the way I need to be treated to become Christ-like. And so instead of holding on to my candy and being bitter against these folks, I look look up and I look down, right? I look up 
and I say, this is a person who needs Jesus, just like I needed Jesus before. And my heart changes. I need to be like the man who's hidden up there in heaven, and my heart changes because I'm living a different life. I'm dead to that old way. It's gone. I don't get to go back to it. I don't get to put the diapers on, as convenient as that would be during long movies. Um, I don't get to do that. Because just as the Lord forgave me, just as the Lord was compassionate with me, kind with me, human, you know, um, just as God has treated me this way, and just as God is reforming me to be that, I need to become it. Um, 14, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Um, Love is the center of what God calls us to be, right? Because of love, Jesus died for us. Jesus didn't die for us because you are the most special, selfish, mean, angry, rebellious child ever. He, he sent Jesus to die for you because he loves you. Jesus took the lashes and was nailed to the cross because he loves you. Uh-oh. <laughs> I lost it. Brooke, can you bump me forward one? Um, that love unifies us. When we stand as a church, anybody ever been in a church that fought? Um, when churches fight, are they bound in love? And are they looking up or are they looking around? They're looking around, right? Look around you right now. God is calling you to love these people, right? Because he loved you and because he saved them the same as he saved you. You may not like them, but then you look up and you say, I need to become like that guy who can figure out how to like these people even when they're jerks, right? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So what's supposed to run the show for us? The peace of Christ. Like the knowledge that this is who I am. The peace that exists between me and God because of the work he did at the cross. Because he's made me new. I've died to the old self. And the new self is perfect. The peace of Christ rules over us. And when I look at Michael and I want to strangle him, the peace of Christ... He's got longer arms than me. It's a bad idea. Um, the peace of Christ should come over me. I should say, well, you know what? I want to strangle Michael, but look up there. Oh, I can't believe Michael's doing this stuff. Look up there. Oh, came back. Um, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you and all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, I am not giving you... Hold up your candy. I am not giving you more candy. This is, however, a bit of instruction. If you want to become a person who looks up instead of looking around, right? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Right? What does that mean? Yes, thank you. Um, It means that we spend time reading his teachings. It means that we learn who Jesus is and we follow him. It means that we spend time every day like, like communing with him. The word of Christ like dwells within us richly when we dwell within it. Um, it's very easy to come to a place where you've heard it all and you know it all so you don't bother with it, right? Or, man, I'm really busy and I really don't want to pray today, right? Prayer, um, reading the word, um, looking to God. Um, Part of this is about fellowship, right? Um, Teaching and admonishing one another. That means spending time with each other. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing thankfulness in our hearts to God. 
that means gathering, right? Part of what sustains us and keeps our eyes pointed up, right, is gathering for worship every week. When we sit together and we commune, I'm going to acknowledge one of my favorite parts of the service is when we all shake hands and hugs, right? Because this is the body of Christ. You guys are the body of Christ in Big Sandy. Congratulations up there, right? Every one of these people you shake hands and hug with is up there a new creation. If you encountered it in this world, you'd be tempted to worship it, right? Like, because God has made us new. Um, And so we're supposed to gather. Gathering helps us look up. Um, As long as we're not, hold it up, as long as we're not chewing on our candy while we're there. Has anybody eaten it yet? Be honest. (laughs) Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. This is where Paul is closing this portion of the ethical teaching. There's another chunk for next week that's that husbands and wives and children passage. It'll be a load of fun. Bring your rotten fruit. Um, This this closing out here, whatever you do in word or in deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, right? When you leave today and you go and you sit at at the Mint or at Peps or Ma's or or, um, even at home, and, and, or at the Anderson's house, um, <laughs> the way you treat the people around you, you're doing it in the name of Jesus, right? And so, like, if I yell at my wife about how dinner's not good enough beyond her killing me, um, I'm doing that in the name of Jesus. Is that looking up or looking around? Around, you're right. Thank you for listening, Michael. Mike. Um, Everything you do, this is the ethical guideline, right? Understand everything you do, you're doing in the name of the Lord. And so we look up and we say, well, what am am I? Am I dragging the name of the Lord back into this? Or am I looking up and working toward that? My challenge for you this week is to live lives where folks look at you and they say, This is a man, this is a woman, this is a person who reflects Jesus. When the people around you are crabby and miserable, you shine the love of Jesus at them. When you're tempted to do the thing you know you've got to overcome, look up and say, is this who I am in Christ? Is this making me into who I am in Christ? If you find yourself saying, oh, I can't do that anymore because it's a sin, and your primary concern is, I can't break that rule, then go ahead and eat your candy, right? Because it's all it is. We're all looking at Jesus and becoming like him. My challenge for you this week is to drive that home. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Um, become who he has made you into. We're going to pray and we're going to finish up. We're going to skip to the last song. I don't know if we have one or not. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would uh, be with us today. Um, I pray that you would touch the hearts and, and, and souls and lives of the men and women here. I pray that you would move in them in a mighty way, that you would make them into new creations. And, and that as they get up in the morning, as they go to bed at night, as they, they reflect on the, on the um, essence of who they are and where their hearts are, Lord God, that they would see the new creation that they are in Christ. And that they would strive with their every breath to become that to become the new creation that they are, um, and that they would give thanks every day that Jesus had made them new, already but not yet. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.